0: This is Ricky Gantz with Mike Miller, and we are G220 Radio, and we want to welcome you to the program here tonight. Tonight, we will be continuing our series in Proverbs chapter 22, uh, working our way from verse 17 on to the end of the chapter. Mike, how are things going with you, brother?
1: Doing pretty good. I not mean, not day off yesterday. I mean, you can't, can't be all too bad. Refreshing, enjoying, painted a flag on my in laws' doors. I saw that. So, kind of not only for Memorial Day and thinking about those who sacrificed themselves for our freedom, but also looking forward to the Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. And it's teaching our kids how to be rightfully patriotic and understanding who we are, where we come from, where we live, and recognizing, I mean, God's grace in our lives and the grace that He has shown to America in the last. 200 plus years. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I saw your, your wife had posted that on, on, uh, Facebook there. And I saw that. uh, I always enjoy watching, you know, the little things you guys do to, to, with your children to help them teach them things, you know, uh, about, like you said, about the country and, and, uh, to be rightly patriotic, you know, cause there's a lot of talk right now about Christian nationalism and all that. That's not the show for tonight, (laughs) but, um, uh, somebody did ask me about it, though. They asked me if we've covered it on G220 Radio, which we have not. Yeah, um, But uh, uh, yeah, so tonight we're getting into Proverbs chapter 22. Um, I've just really been enjoying digging into this series, um, kind of put it on a little hiatus for a little while. We've covered a few, went through our family series, uh, and then kind of getting back in this. We do have some other programs lined up uh, as well starting uh, next month, a couple of shows, but we're going to get back into Proverbs. Twenty-three, and we'll break that down as well. And over the course of a, w- a couple of weeks, and uh, just continue this series until we get all the way to the end of the Book of Proverbs as well. But there's always other things that come up in between, and so we try to get those shows in uh, also. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can go ahead and just jump right into this one um, with Proverbs. We've we've talked about it before. The Lord gives us principles from the book of Proverbs that we can take and apply it, apply it to our lives so that we can have wisdom. And, you know, the Bible gives us knowledge. There's knowledge that we learn in the world, and, and wisdom is knowledge applied. So we take that wisdom, we apply it to our lives. And so the book of Proverbs gives us much in which we can learn and glean from. Uh, and as we listen to Solomon tell his son to exhort him to incline your ear, to the things of the Lord, we we are looking to you to do that here as, as well with us to incline our ears to the things that we are gleaning from this book of Proverbs. Mike, anything you want to add before we jump into that first verse there? Or if, if not, just go ahead and get us kicked off.
1: Yeah, I think just kind of looking over this, um, this feels like a transition from what we have been doing from chapter 10 until last week here in 2216 where we're kind of getting back to some of the maybe easier ways to think about it a little bit easier for us to kind of understand and kind of group things together very much like chapters one through nine in it. So um, while we'll cover probably the same stuff, because the Proverbs tend to talk about these things over and over again, like a diamond, switching it, making sure that we understand Every little part of it that we think about these things in different ways. Again, we come to. To understand we need this. I mean, that's what Peter tells his readers. That's good to be reminded of these Mm -hmm. things, right? Because we forget Sin has affected our memories. If we did not forget, we would not need to be constantly reminded about God's goodness towards us in the gospel each and every day, lest we make a habit of sinning and make the sacrifice of Christ null and void.
0: Yeah. And I think that's key too, Mike, what you said there is this repetitiveness um, because when you look at Israel in the old Testament, they knew the faithfulness of God. They were told, faithfulness of god they they had the word of god proclaimed to them the prophets came and told them thus say the lord and yet they continuously would turn from the lord and would have to be reminded of his faithfulness to them in the midst of their unfaithfulness to him and even as christians uh we we don't lose salvation we're still in christ those who are in christ there's no condemnation for them but yet we do need those reminders. So thank you for pointing that out as well, because those reminders are good. And so repetitiveness is not a bad thing. You hear it okay. over and over again. You preach it. You teach it over and over again because it's important. And we know this with children, right? How many times? Yeah. We talked about our our, our Proverbs or our series on family and dealing with children. They need to be told multiple times.
1: Yeah. Um, and even even when he was in the military. <laughs>
0: Some soldiers need to be told way more than others, but you still need that repetitiveness.
1: Yeah, even my stubborn heart needs this repetitiveness that requires. So.
0: All right, so verse 17 says um, to incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to
1: my knowledge. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, we see here very much what you get in... Proverbs 118, hear my child, your father's instructions, listen to your mother's understanding and the laying out of there. So he comes back, incline your ear, hear the word of the wise, hear what the wise people because that's only what this book is trying to get us to do is to, to realize we need to grow in wisdom. And when we mm. think about James and how it helps us that if we lack wisdom, we can go to God. God is pleased when we pray to God and ask for wisdom. When we ask, knowing that he will give it, that our minds are not tossed to and fro this kind of ideas. And so Solomon coming back up, come incline your ear. I think you just hear that um, action from the sun, incline your ear. He has to, to move. He has to be willing to take it, hear hear the words of the wise and apply it to your heart. And I think this is important also when we think about it, that we just can't hear good teaching. We can't hear wise things. It's not enough. It has to be applied to the heart. That's what the, the the Puritans are great at is Mm -hmm. taking deep theological truths and apply it to the heart. You see this in this idea that, again, the, as we try to summarize what the Puritans did, that biblical living goes from the head to the heart and out the hands. You know the head, the head, hand, the head, head, heart, hands kind of idea, and here Solomon is, is giving to us: where to choose to listen to the wise, to hear the words of the wise, and then apply that. Apply our heart, apply apply who we are, to this knowledge, this wisdom, so that we can kind of obey what God has called us to do.
0: Yeah, and, and as you was mentioning that, um, I'm thinking about the Book of James, uh, and when the author writes in chapter one, verse twenty two, he says, "But, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently uh, at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And we talk about this before. We've mentioned it here before. James is a new Testament book of Proverbs, so to speak. Uh And so, um, It's it's multiply multiple times it's being referred to this. Don't just hear these words of wisdom. That's why I mentioned in the beginning, wisdom is knowledge applied. You you're you're taking it and you're applying it in life. And um, when we take the word of God and we put it into our hearts and then we walk it out, um, that's where James is saying and 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 Solomon is saying to his son, this is this is how you're going to be blessed because you're walking in wisdom. And ultimately we we look at this because we've said this in this, this uh, series before. um, But when we look at wisdom, I know there are some that disagree, but Mike and I are on the same page. Often in the beginning of this series, when we were talking about wisdom, it was a reference to Christ. So what reference to Christ and, and he is wisdom personified. Uh, He is the power and wisdom of God. And so um, when you look at this, who else is wiser than Christ? He's a greater than Solomon. And so when we look into his word and we take that and apply it into our lives, God's not going to lead us astray. You know?
1: Yeah, and you think about it when you go to verse 18, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, mm-hmm. if all of them are ready on your lips. And just the idea, I mean, this, is, this verse is true about Christ. And mm-hmm. now he suffered and died. And he paid the price of our sins but in the end he was vindicated by god and when we think about you know the reason why we incline our ears to wisdom and we listen and we apply it is that we by the power of the spirit because of the Son's sacrifice will be vindicated by god in doing it the when all is revealed And we are seeing as doing well as the faithful servant. And you hear those words called out in the last day. Mm -hmm. But even in that, like there will be times in even in this life that. The wisdom you have. Will present. Benefits. I think even spiritually, Mm -hmm. when we think about how the church grows, older men who have inclined their ears to wisdom are now able to teach younger men and the ability to continue them and push them along in faithfulness so that when they are old, they can do the same and they can look back on a life well lived and not have regrets or a lot of regrets and what regrets they have knowing it was ordained in the end by the father that, and just how inclining our ears to wisdom allows us to live better in this world, to live in a clear conscience and the benefits and the favor that we receive from God in being obedient in that way really kind of has it. And then even with it is that if all of them are ready on your lips, it's they're there. You mm-hmm. can speak to them. So not only will it be pleasant if you keep them, they are there and ready for you to use them right and right. to teach. I think when we kind of see, again, this is not new to the Proverbs. We've talked about it in other places, but still kind of this, continuing idea of growing. And again, these principles in which in general, your life will be better when you act wisely in this world.
0: Yeah. And and as you was mentioning that, and um, this ready on your lips in verse 18 made me think of men, older men in the faith, mature men in the faith, because they don't necessarily have to be older, but mature men in the faith. When they're interacting with people. There's such wisdom there in how they mm-hmm. respond to things. Like if somebody's coming at you and they're trying to attack you, or they're trying to name call, or they're they're upset about something. Watching a wise person in Christ address it is something to learn from. This is why it's such a a, a, a wonderful thing to have a congregation where you have young and old together. And you can see when conflict arises or questions come up about doctrine or whatever it may be, these mature, wise Christian men are able to speak in such a way that gives glory to God and is gracious and with humility, and you just hear the wisdom coming from them that they've already stored in their heart because they're storing God's word up. You know, as well as when it comes to temptations and and sin, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God, right? And so when things come up and arise, your response is one of a wise man because it's already stored there. It's been taken in. You've inclined your ear to it. You don't reject it. You take that in and you apply it in life. Yeah. All right. Verse 19 says that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. Go ahead, Mike.
1: Yeah. So why, why incline? That's kind of the answer one could ask. Why incline? Why gain wisdom? You know, okay, I have better pleasant. But there's also this implicit theological idea that... You may trust the Lord
0: Mm because this
1: is this isn't just Solomon's wisdom, right? This is God ordained wisdom by the spirit as Solomon is writing these or collecting these. um, In some cases, in editing this book, that. Wisdom points to something bigger, something better. You mentioned Mm it, it. In our time, we now were able to see it clearly that this wisdom points us to a savior, to a mediator Mm. that we are needed and we need to trust that mediator. We need to trust the triune God and what he ordains is always right and to think about it. So wisdom has an end goal. It's not just to be wise and have a better life. It's that we may trust the Lord, trust his wisdom that he's given to us. And Solomon under kind of, I don't know, self-aware of what's going on, but just telling his child, I made them known to you today. I've made them known to you, even to you. Like these, this wisdom I have from the Lord so that you can trust him. I have made known to you. You know, he he's not keeping it to himself, but expressing it to his son, that his son may be kind of to think about Deuteronomy or even in the New Testament, to raise in the fear and admiration of the Lord and to do what is right and to please God in all that he does. And even from a young age, because how many regrets we have when we've turned later in life about the sin that plagues our memory. From when we were before we were saved, though, they are covered by the blood of Jesus and they're no longer counted against us. The memory we have of these sins here, Solomon, making them known to his son that he may not fall in the errors that he may have fallen in before.
0: Yeah. All right, so verse 20 says, Have I not written for you 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge? And I was going to look this up to try to dig a little bit deeper in it, but I kind of uh, forgot to do that when I was looking at it this morning Um, because some of the commentaries that I was looking on, uh, they talk about this being three things or threefold. um, But in my ESV, it it renders it uh, 30 sayings um, because some of it comes to Could this be referring to him writing Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, these things that he's writing to them, giving them counsel and and knowledge? Um, And that could be. Um, But as a whole, when we know that the inspiration of Scripture, as you mentioned, is not just um, the—there's a spiritual deeper meaning at times that we find within the Scripture, and we look at the Scripture as a whole to know that all of Scripture is, as you said, God-breathed, so it's, it's, it's profitable for us to, to, uh, for rebuke, re- rebuke, can't even say, speak it, uh, correction for the building up of, 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 the man of God. And so there's that counsel, there's that knowledge in it. So whatever it may be, I don't know, Mike, if you have any insight on that, but I know I was going to look that up and, uh, I just completely yeah.
1: forgot about it. So I'm reading it right now. I'm like, that's that one I was going to go back to. And I didn't, but <clears throat> so I'm consulting kind of the two, two modern commentaries that I've kind of consulted throughout the series outside of bridges and one of them just makes a comment about it possibly referencing to a revered tradition in egyptian wisdom which was meditated throughout wisdom schools of palestine to give him a book of authority and weighted tradition i'm not for sure if that's um at least that's a view i don't know if that's the author's view of it another commentator who is also a former professor um says that the 30 sayings start on 22 and i kind of just go all the way through and ends Mm. at the end of chapter 24 so we may be saying seeing the 30 sayings coming up soon outside of that yeah there is not i don't have much
0: yeah
1: uh on exactly what these thirty sayings are,
0: yeah, and that's what I was looking at with Gil. He had mentioned that Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. But he also goes into again the 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 deeper understanding that there's a references to Christ being the wisdom of God, His His Word, uh, and he mentions. Gil says, "Such are the truths of the gospel. They are more excellent than than that. They are mo- most more excellent than those that are only known by light of nature or by the law of Moses, such as." Uh, suspect such as suspect of the love of, and grace of God, the person and offices of Christ, peace, pardon, righteousness, atonement, life, and salvation by Him, um, is what He's putting here. But again, that was that's one that I definitely would want to do some more digging into to see what that could be referencing to this thirty. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, the counsel and knowledge that we know that we've already been been receiving and listening to from the Book of Proverbs. Uh, and and as we started this with verse seventeen, we incline our ears to it. We take what we're, we're we're learning. We take what we're hearing from the word of God, and we apply it to our lives.
1: Yeah, and this could be. I mean, when we think about difficulties in Bible, obviously this isn't going to upset our faith. No, um, but the the book of Proverbs lacks very very little context into what they're saying. Um, so you could probably get 30 proverb scholars in a room together and have 32 different views on what the 30 sayings are. So, yeah. Um, but it does seem he's written them out at one point, whether they come after as one commentary say, or are they referring to something else? Um, they're written, they've been told they've been passed on um, their counsel of wit and knowledge. and they have a point to know that you what is right and wrong and that you may have answers, true answers to those who have sent you. So these kind of, again, the wisdom provides answers. It provides mm-hmm. morality in how we are to act. And again, even so if it comes to follow or if it's a completely different document, still, the pack the the importance of it is that these 13 sayings of counsels and knowledge, which is built upon God's law, meditating on God's law, thinking about God's law, thinking about God's creation and its mm-hmm. our relationship to it, I mean, and seeing how nature goes about on its own that Solomon can tell his son that these 30 sayings of counsel of wisdom is so that there is a morality to this. This There is a right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Wisdom provides us w- knowing what is right and knowing what is wrong. Right, right. And then giving answers on why we think one thing is right and another thing is wrong.
0: Right. Absolutely. And verse 22 says, Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. So. Clearly, don't rob the poor. Um, this is one who cannot help himself. Uh, this is and and you're crushing him and afflicted in the gate. You know, this is a place in which. Ooh, just seeing that little bug there. Uh, this is a place where um, you know people would come and meet to do business, to do law. You know, like if there was somebody being like a court kind of setting, people would come to the gate huh. to handle business, and so. You know Solomon's writing here. uh, Don't rob the poor because he's poor. Don't do it because he's poor and you could take advantage of him. We've already talked about it last week when you're when you're seeing that people will take advantage of those that are less fortunate, those who are poor, for their own gain to become rich or to come have some prominent position or whatnot. And so again, jumping back into this, um, he's saying don't rob them because they're poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. Go ahead, Mike.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, referring us and making us think about how we act kind of those who are underneath us those who are not as rich or you know maybe something's happened and you going after them at the gate to get your money because they owe you money and you further heap on affliction and to, to consider, to consider actions and to I just reflect on grace and mercy. Like how to, how can you help this person mm-hmm. instead of getting what you deserve to kind of use how we would say it. Like I deserve to have my money. I don't care that you've lost it all because of something out of your control. Or whatever that may be. Um, I it's my money and I deserve it. And to to go after a person in a way that furthers afflicts them, because in, in verse twenty three it gives mm-hmm. Solomon gives us the reason: for the Lord will plead their cause, right, and rob of life those who rob them. So when you do that, you're going. God's going to act against you. And he's going to destroy you because God cares about the poor, the right. needy, the afflicted. And to heap onto them, to continue to afflict them, in one sense, is doing justice against those who God loves. And God, being just, will give the punishment. He will be on their side. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and Psalm seventy-two four says, "Woe to the man against whom Jehovah pleads! Happy the poor on whose side he is, for their redeemer is mighty; the Lord of hosts is his name." Uh, and Jeremiah fifty thirty four says, "And spoil in the soul, and, and spoil the soul of those who, that spoiled them. Uh, they could only spoil the poor of their goods, but the Lord can and will spoil and destroy the souls of the spoilers in hell." And so, some more. uh, uh, scriptures there, uh, to, to speak upon that, you know, that the Lord will plead their, their cause. All right. Verse 24, it says, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. And so I, I think when you think about this, if you've ever known somebody who's prone to anger, um, the littlest things set them off the, like, disagreements, uh, they're always in contention. They're always angry about something, you know, every little thing. Uh, don't make friends with an individual like this. Uh, it's not a good thing. Bad company corrupts good people. Right. Mm-hmm. And good in the sense that we know there is none good, but it corrupts good morals. And so, um, don't go with a wrathful man. Like if you, if you're around somebody who I, I know, for example, uh, in the military, if there was a hothead in your unit. You didn't want to go out on the town or go out and do things with this person because most likely it was going to come back on you. You were going to get in trouble for something stupid that this person does. Uh-huh. Um, and so don't make friends with, with
1: someone like this. Yeah. it's just, we saw it earlier with your friends, your friends mold you. They, they help you even as parents, you know, we didn't think about our kids, friends mm-hmm. about who they hang out with because they have influences We're we're impressionable people, even as adults, we can be impressionable for wh- whatever reason that may be. And still so versus 24 helps us to think about the type of people we should be to. Make no friends with a man given to anger, who's quick. There's he's quick to anger, which is opposite of God, who is slow to anger. Mm-hmm. And he's again, if you kind of think about what we just talked about, you can kind of see this is the man at the gate that is pursuing justice on the afflicted mm-hmm. when there there's nothing to gain. Right. Right. You know, they've they squeezed them out of all their money. They've they've hurt them to a point and then they continue to go after them. This man has no grace. He has no mercy in them. So he's completely opposite of God. He's not going to help you in your walk. He's not going to point you to godliness. And verse 25, as you kind of mentioned about getting in trouble, you know, going around with the hothead from the unit on the town lest you learn his ways. So lest mm. you become like him. So there's the impressionable part and entangling yourself in a snare that you get into the snares that he gets into. And that's, again, to to think about our influences. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's more than just, you know, friendship and kind of, you know, physical friendship. I think, you know, this is just stuff that you tend to listen to I know you're prepping sermon I've had to write some sermons and what I found out about when I give sermons is I preach very much like my pastor does who I've sat under at that time eight years six years like there was there's a way in which I not intentionally preached similar to him Thought about the text similar to him and other people I enjoyed listening to that I thought were good preachers and wanted to um, see it. We we do this all the time, sometimes subconsciously. And so choosing who we listen to, choosing our friends, choosing our podcast buddies that we're going to listen to, the talking heads, we need to choose because we will learn their ways. And this gives us the warning about ones who are quick to anger, because that's when we get involved with the snares, they come back on us and our our lives are now in in turmoil because of what's happening around. And again, kind of even back going back to the, the first part, if we did not have their friends, if we kept the wisdom inclined to ear, though our lives would be pleasant and be well-going. One who is anger does not have a peaceful, pleasant life. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And speaking of, you mentioned podcast or social media, it's very easy to see when there are individuals who follow certain um, ministries, so to speak, Uh quote unquote ministries, you will find the individuals that follow these people tend to be like-minded. so if if you have someone who is prone to anger, who is contentious, who is divisive, the people that follow them, you will see when in their chat, you will see in their comments on social media, they're exactly the same way, contentious, uh-huh. angry, you know, always looking to be divisive and and to argue every single point. and And it's not that it's wrong to debate or to have discussions, but if this is your disposition, always contentious then uh-huh. yeah that's a problem and mike king coming in late and telling us we should start over so let's go back to verse 17 no just kidding
1: <laughs> i think too i just you're reflecting on my own life i don't know if you ever got involved in the discernment blogs i did when i was a young christian foolish mistake don't get involved with discernment blogs um because i became hypercritical of everyone everyone had fault. I don't know if I can trust him. I still to this day have to ever overcome that. You think about um Tim Keller who recently passed away and not to speak ill of him and nor am I going to. there are we need to realize there are times that he spoke good things that he was right. Do I agree with everything he said? No. Like, we need discernment. But one thing I think, you know, that can plague us because we know we need discernment is when we get so into discernment ministry or discernment blogs, and we're critiquing just everything in which basically you're saying there's, well, no, this guy's bad because he teaches this one thing. Now, are there patterns that we can see? And then we can say, well, yes, yeah, this person's gone off the rail. Maybe we shouldn't be listening to, or maybe at this point it's more bones than it is meat. Yes, and we need to do that. But I think just in my own life, again, how people have it, because it's hard to overcome these things, especially when they became so institutionalized into your mind. Mm-hmm. I So again, this just being aware of what you intake. Right. Not saying... You know, if you want to research stuff on Matt Chandler and Circle Prayer, you know, there's some weird stuff out there. I get it. That was like the last thing I remember about my December blog ministry. The Circle Prayer thing came out. or Whatever that uh, came about that. I don't know. But just that idea. And and brightly, they were exposing errors of um the emergent movement, which where where are the emergent movement people have i mean i haven't heard anything from brian mclaren i think rob bell might pop up every once in a while but he's gone so i just you know these things matter and they still affect us you know even today just kind of thinking through my own my own story of god sanctifying work in my heart
0: yeah absolutely all right. Verse 26 and 27, I'll read them together because what most of these do, these last couple ones have been going two verses at a time. They, they go together. Um, so I'll just read these two. Uh, it says, be not one of those who give pledges, uh, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? So don't give pledges. Don't, don't, um, uh, give up or put up security for, for debts, for the money you don't have. Um, don't, don't go. And, and, and it's not that you don't have it because people take out loans for their, to buy a house. They take out loans to, to purchase vehicles and things like that. And, and we can just talk and discuss whether that's wise or unwise or whether you should just save up all the money and buy one out. Right. Um, but the intentions often when a person takes out a loan for a house is to pay it off. In this case, this is talking about be not one of those who give pledges. You say you're going to do this, and you're going to put something up for security for debts, and you have nothing with which to pay. So you're 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 basically trying to um, cheat this individual out of this because you you know you have nothing to pay them with. But hey, let me just make this pledge here for you, um, and that's what it's saying. So why should you? Uh, why should your bed be taken from under you? Um, because you know, you have nothing to give and you're not, you're not going to make good on your word
1: with the pledge. Yeah. I think it, again, you know, we're in a, a credit society, you know, where to buy anything really expensive, unless you're of the rich and famous, you have to take a loan out. Um, you know, house, car, whatever that may be. Um, I think this, you know, we can think about this in in light of that, that, you know, until you can build up and save up and be able to maybe purchase a car outright or some of these other things, um, we have to take a loan. But I think it it shows here is that we shouldn't be careless about what we're spending our money on. You know, you mentioned a home and a mortgage. You don't pay your mortgage, you lose your house. You have to go find someplace. So you should consider how much can I afford afford this loan? As you mentioned, with the thought of I will either pay it off or I'm going to sell the house and to pay them off so I maybe get something else. I think it just, again, it takes wisdom to know is this house what we need? Is it financially responsible for us to invest money, to take out a loan and be under a creditor who could take it from us when we don't pay. Mm -hmm. And I think when we really think about that, then with like credit cards, the original buy now, pay later scheme that we see all over, um, um, E-commerce, even my company I work for, we use a similar system in that way about how it is and how easy it is to spend money we don't have. And it leads us into a life of poverty. And here we see it. You don't have anything to pay. They take your bed. They take mm-hmm. They take where you sleep. You're now poor. And so, yeah, it calls us to be financially responsible with the money God has given to us here on this earth. It's in one sense, God has loaned us money, interest-free, to do his will with it. And we need the wisdom to use his money well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we need to be good stewards of that which God has given to us. So finances, time, all of those things, we want to be a good steward. Um, And we can always continue to learn in this, you know, because, again, as you said, we live in this kind of society. I know, especially if you are a young individual, maybe you grew up in a in a poor family where you didn't have much and you turn 18. And I, I don't know if they still do this today, but I know when I was turning 18, I'm sure they probably do like all these credit card things were coming in the mm-hmm. mail. Like you, you've uh, um, uh, pre-approved. Yeah. Pre-approved for this much money. And you're like, Whoa, wow. I could get a Sears card. Mm-hmm. Sears ain't even around anymore. I don't even think, but JC penny uh, card, JC penny card, you know? And it's like, um, so here you go. And then they have these high interest rates and most people think, mm-hmm. well, I'll, I'll pay it off. I'll, I'll get this. I'll pay it off. And then they just make the small payments rather than paying mm-hmm. it off. And then the interest hits. And now you owe more than what you, and so being wise, this is what God has called us to do in his, in his word here is to be wise with our finances. And, um, so yes. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to verse 28 and it says, uh, do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set.
1: Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. This one is very relevant kind of for us now in America. Probably more so a couple of years ago in 2020, um, but it's still at least in Louisville an issue. There was a monument. The city voted to take it down. Whether well, they took it down legally, that is still be debating in the co- courts. At least initially, the court said yes. Now they say no, but they took him down. The statue of a of a man who I don't know much about. I'm not native Louisville it was important to the city so they made a monument um monuments help us to remember the past we see this in the Pentateuch, they put up stones and you, you hear it like the author's not there it's you get these comments of and it's still here today like even when the author is writing these stones these monuments still exist of these great events in which God had worked in the people's lives and to be remembered and to be honored. And so the proverb here to not move the ancient landmarks that your father have set, I think calls us to really think about the honor of the people that God had used in these ways. Now there you have checkered past. That's why the monument in Louisville was taken down. He owned slaves, um, but no man's perfect. And I'm sure if we knew what Jesus was like, we would have a whole bunch of Jesus statues all over the place. In fact, the white Mormons in every in every uh, Mormon home, you know, like mm-hmm. like we're those types of people. But it calls us to remember God's faithfulness. I think. You know, we can maybe equate a little bit this to genealogies in the Bible. They're not the most fun to read, but they're important because we can see God's faithfulness. We can see how God was faithful to make Abraham's physical seeds as numerous as the stars in the sky. And it's because of this that the Savior will come. And it it shows us God's faithfulness to bring the Redeemer of God's elect. And so when we think of monuments, when we think about these things, they drive us to remember God's faithfulness in our lives, in our countries, our cities. And to remove them is to remove, in one sense, the history Mm. and the remembrance of them. Not everything needs to be remembered. Not everyone will be remembered. But God uses people in mighty ways, and we should remember how God uses these people. Or in some senses, if the monument is of something evil, we can still look at it and see and be reminded of the evil of it. And that's good, too, because it calls us to think about how corrupt we are. Mm-hmm. And us in Christ then can go to God in thankfulness that he saves wretched sinners and he didn't destroy Adam and Eve as soon as they sinned.
0: Yeah. Another aspect of, of this um, moving ancient landmarks uh, that your fathers have set is, you know, when you deal with land and estates inheritances that were marked mm-hmm. in Deuteronomy 19, 14, it says you shall not move your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in the inheritance that you will hold in the land that your Lord God is given you to possess. So boundary markers, this is, this land belongs to this tribe. Don't move it and try to take it for your, for yourself. I mean, we could see that even playing out within our, our country. When, if you have a neighbor who keeps encroaching upon your land, you know, moving the boundary markers and saying, no, this is my land um, and moving it, which I think it would probably be, it, it, I'm sure it still happens today, but it's probably um, less than maybe back in the 1800s, 1700s and whatnot, mm-hmm. because we do have, you know, um, what do they got? Surveys that have been done where they can look and say, oh, this land belongs here. This this property goes there. Uh, another one in Deuteronomy as well In is 27, uh, verse 17. It says, cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark and all the people shall say amen. So again looking at at you know property lines and and what has been given and when you know with Israel they were given land for each tribe. You know and so that, that would be a, a big thing there as well. All right, verse 29. Man, we we did pretty good tonight, right? Did pretty good moving through this one tonight. Um do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Go ahead, Mike.
1: So I think when we think about this and to consider the a job well done, a skill, a skillful man, one who does a good job, um, kind of the best of the best in one sense that become their name, um, get to go in front of kings. They get to be honored. And that these skillful people, they don't they don't stand before like unknown people and and to look at it and that one. I think it just it calls us to be ones to be diligent in our work and to grow and to continue to be. And while we can look at this and say, well, I'll never stand before the president. You know, I may be the best in my field and it doesn't matter. And that's true. You probably won't. Very few people get to stand before a president and, and showcase what they do or, you know, break dance in front of the Pope. But, um, being diligent in your work and doing good work, you will get to stand before the King of Kings. Mm. And that's what matters. Right. And he will honor you for doing good works. Cause that's what he calls us to do is to do good work, to be skillful in what we do, to be not lazy people, who may get who think there's a lying out in the square, but to ones who work hard and do a good job and doing it. And when we work hard and we focus on trying to be the best that we can be in our job,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we can stand and to be honored. And whether it's in front of physical Kings and that, or before God will be honored in that way. And we'll not stand before men of no worth, of no interest. And to, to think about then just how we do our work and the skillfulness for it. Cause even, you know, God called craftsmen to build things And he gave a couple of them the spirit of his spirit to build the things that God wants them to build. And they were skilled workers. They knew what they were doing. They can do what God had called them to do. And I think this Proverbs reinstates this idea of just being a good worker and to be one ready to do good because you will stand before the king king of kings
0: yeah yeah that ideal of of skillful in his work is someone who invests into his craft Mm -hmm. you know um takes pride in and and pleasure and joy in doing the job that the lord has has given him um i don't want to say called because i think too many people misuse that and somebody will say well i'm called to this i'm called to that but but obviously god has gifted some people with a talent to to build things or talent to make music or talent. uh, They're just naturally talented by the grace of God to do certain things. And then they invest more to become better at their craft. Um, And so these are these types of individuals, one and one who's of integrity with his job. He's not Uh cutting corners. Like if you're a builder and you're cutting corners, you know, um, that building's not going up properly. I mean, we did some work in our kitchen. Um, we had, to we, we put in our, uh, kitchen sink counter and everything. And then we made a mistake, uh, as far as when we put in our dishwasher. So when our dishwasher broke, we had to pull it all up because there wasn't enough room to get it out. But when we was putting this in, when we was putting the counter and everything in the, the house wasn't like lined up properly. We're like, okay, this wall's going like, it's not going straight. It's going at an angle. So then that puts the counter that you're trying to make off a little bit you know? Mm -hmm. So obviously our house is up, it's got a good foundation, but the point is, you know, somebody wasn't kind of being, um, uh, what's the right word. They, they weren't being precise with their measurements there. They were off a bit. And so someone who is, is skillful is, is, has the integrity to do the right things, to make the cuts right, to, to do the measurements right. And I also think of, for an example is Joseph, Right? He's sold by his brothers into yep. slavery. He goes into Potiphar's house. And because he's a man of integrity and because he's a hard worker, Potiphar becomes blessed. Now, obviously, God is blessing Joseph. Yeah. But he's he's being a, a good, skillful worker. And then what ultimately happens? His wife lies, he gets put in jail. But then where do we see Joseph with the king, with Pharaoh? Right. Yeah second in command in all of Egypt because he was a man of integrity who worked hard uh, with what he was given to do. And so um, it's it's something, again, as, as we look at it, regardless of, as you said, Mike, if we don't ever get the chan- chance to stand before the president uh, in our craft, um, we will one day stand before the Lord and be accountable for what we did with our, our time for our employer. You know, so... Mm-hmm. Let's see what Mike says here. Those words you said are a great example of rightly dividing the word of truth.
1: Preach. Yeah. Looking at one of the commentaries. um, I mean, Jesus talked about this. So Matthew 25, 14 through 30, the parable, of the talents. Mm. What's the, they received the money. They worked hard. They did with it. And they receive in a reward Mm -hmm. and to think about the the work that they did they used it they they received something and they worked it they made it better they increased their wealth and what they were doing and the master was pleased with their work. It was the one mm-hmm. who hid, who didn't do the work. who was right. lazy, um, that the master was, um, mad at, and he was, and he's the one that would be going to the gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. And so to think about, you know, the, the work of it and just even Jesus, Jesus accomplished the work that he was called to do. Right. You know, he was by the eternal plan of God to at the right time came down to have came down to us, condescended to earth. And did the works of his father. And according to their plan Mm -hmm. so that he can save a seed, a remnant to himself. Sorry, I've been studying chapter eight in the Baptist confession for Sunday school this week getting all the the just the mediator aspect and we see you know christ being obedient to the will of god Mm -hmm. and doing the good works and i think when we so when we think about being skillful and doing what is right and and building it it only brings honor when we do it for the Lord, and according to the way the Lord wants us to work. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, we did pretty good on time here tonight for Proverbs chapter 22, the uh, second half of it. Uh, And so uh, if you have any questions, comments, excuse me, or concerns um, or suggestions for show ideas, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, it's g220radio at gmail.com. Um, and this year is flying fast. I mean, we're already about mm-hmm. to be in June and mm-hmm. in June, we have some, some programs, uh, scheduled already for us. Uh, we're going to be talking about toxic traditions next week. It's an article that, uh, Mike and I have shared and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to read through this article and talk about some of these, uh, traditions that the, the, writer of this article has put forth to be considering as as toxic and says that they're they're making the church sick. So our question is these toxic traditions are they making the church sick? Yeah, a, yeah, here we go. So um so that's our show for next week then the following we're going to talk about boycotts. Uh it's in the news lately with all the things going on uh, with different companies and 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 it's not a new thing, it's been around for a long time. Um but we're going to talk about uh, boycotts. Uh, following the following week. And then we're going to get into Proverbs chapter 23 um, and we'll probably break that up into a couple shows. And uh, yeah, so we've got quite a bit coming forward. Uh, Again, if you have any suggestions on a show topic, one of them, Mike, I would like to talk about Hmm. Uh, impassibility. (laughs) Yeah. Impassibility. That's, that's what we got set for 2024. Um, But, uh, but uh, is, the seed, and I think you and I have discussed this before. We may have talked about it a little bit on a show, but I don't think we did an actual show on it. Where the sons of God take the daughters of men, uh, right? And I said six. And, we talked the about the a show, I don't, we never yeah. did it, but the seed aspect. Because I, I happened to have a conversation with a Hebrew Israelite uh-huh. the other day, and I was, I was, it started with Genesis where it talks about, um, that her seed will come forth and crush the head of the serpent. Yeah. And I said, this is referring to the Messiah that's going to come. And he's not born of a, of a male because Hebrew Israelites believe that Jesus had a earthly father. And so I was saying, no, this seed here, it's, it's a seed of the woman. And so his pushback was, but it says the seed of the serpent. So did the serpent have seeds? And so that will come up within that context of sons of men or the the sons of God taking the daughters of men. And then we're talking about seed here. And then we see that if you're not a child of, of God, you're a child of Satan. Does Satan actually have children that he's spawned and offspring in, so to speak? And so I thought that might be an interesting topic. I don't know. We, we could talk about it more if it's something you want to do. Um, but I thought it would be an interesting kind of
1: discussion, you know, so to speak. Um, yeah. Because we do disagree on, on what those mean
0: yeah so, so
1: but i, I don't, I don't no know if we
0: disagree we, I, I, we don't disagree on um christ being born of a virgin yeah and that's yeah we don't disagree on yeah. genesis
1: 3 15 we yeah. disagree yeah. on who's the sons of men yeah or right. the the sons of god and the daughters of men right in genesis 6
0: yeah so mike takes the unbiblical position i take the biblical one <laughs>
1: I take the position of Peter and Jude and Ricky does it.
0: (laughs) But that would be a fun, a fun topic to maybe, maybe cover. Um, And then again, like if you have any suggestions uh, I'm sure there's always things going on in the world we can talk about. Um, But we also enjoy getting into the scripture and, and Mm -hmm. uh, trying to do our best to break that down and, and discuss it. Um, But Mike closing thoughts, man, you close us out here for tonight.
1: Yeah. I think we see, here in proverbs um the importance of wisdom i think we see in our culture that wisdom lacks and the only way to gain wisdom is to be in god's word to pray to god for wisdom and the only way to live in his world is to have the wisdom that comes from above and even though Solomon is writing to his physical son, um, God is writing to his spiritual children in this, mm. in this book. And so for us to listen and to, con- to consider, to meditate, to pray for wisdom about these things um, is what God desires of us. As just, you know, and kind of referencing back at, james that god commands us to come to him for wisdom when we think about it it's a prayer that he will answer he will give us wisdom and to and so when we think of proverbs we should think about going to god in wisdom to apply these to our heart so that the spirit changes us And so as we started the show, that it's just not head knowledge, but that we may trust the Lord and that we may do what God has commanded us to do in in all these things. And so again, in the end, like everything else, that the chieftain, of wisdom is to glorify god and enjoy him forever
0: and until we go home